Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. I'm here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live, and I'm sure you would have noticed while using the app over the incredible weekend of finals action, Footy Live's AFL finals coverage is brought to you by British Paints and FOMU. What is FOMU? The fear of mucking up. Do you suffer from FOMU? Then fight your fear of mucking up with British paint. Whether you're handy around the house or have never painted an exterior in your life, you can feel confident with British paint's four seasons. It goes on easily and is designed to last and last, helping you to protect your home against sun, rain, wind, and mold. That's why it comes with a 25-year guarantee. So fight the FOMU and get started with British paint today. While you get started with British paints, I'll get started with the podcast where I have to unfortunately, officially apologized to a long-time listener. He's been listening right from the beginning all the way back 12 episodes ago. Frankie the Pie Fanatic, I was wrong. Collingwood won. I didn't think they would, and they did. It was gutsy. It was tough. It was everything you're not. No, I'm kidding. You should be proud. It was tremendous. You asked for the apology, and there it was. I will give you a little bit more later. Um, We're going to speak about the Pies in depth later in the show, especially their reaction to the win, which I've got a strong opinion on, and all the teams who took part in the closest week of finals in AFL history. But first, we're going to get to a wonderful round recap. Uh, We're going to get that out of the way very quickly and then speak to a special guest, Cam Luke. He's the armchair expert, and he's one of my favorite media professionals in our country, and I really admire his energy, the way he hosts and brings creative ideas to life. He's a sports media entrepreneur, and I cannot wait to talk to him. And I can't wait to talk to uh, Mr. Guglielmino either. He's got his famous nick-off segment that we'll get to, and then I'll get to some tweets and emails and ramble on about some hot topics and final thoughts for you to abuse me about. All right, prepare to cringe. Here's our wonderful round recap of week one of the finals. Port Adelaide aggression on Thursday night proved Geelong aren't the greatest team of all. Wines was intoxicating, Tom was hard as a rock cliff and Hinkley brought a boke to sail through the Cats midfield. Geelong was triggered by seeing their ex as Motlop kick three and prove moving on was the right choice. Was there a reason they overpowered the Cats for majority of the night? Selwood just couldn't put his finger on it and Scotty doesn't know. Port by 16 points. Daniel's rich vein of form continued on Friday night as another Daniel in the Lions then helped his side McStay in premiership contention. Charlie released the throttle and kicked three of his own while Lions and his Lions roared to a three-goal victory. Was Lockie the best on ground? Nearly. The Tigers, they came up just short, who was the leading possession getter for the losing side. They must have felt pretty dusty on Saturday morning, just lucky it wasn't recorded in the locker rooms. Lions into a prelim. A three-point victory to the Saints. What a memory. Jaron got into Geary early as he put a dog on a leash and kicked two, with the rest of the team proving they're a tall order. Paddy rode high, a couple of shots of Caulfield woke the team up, and Carlisle looked home. The dogs were let out in the final term, but it wouldn't be their day or afternoon. Not even a cool beverage could make them feel better. Saints progress. The final game of the week was the best of the lot, as dirty pies never look cleaner. The fans were excited as Big Cox stole the show early with his three goals and American swagger leaving no room to debate. Adams looked tailor-made for finals, Jack was crisp and Chris was a main contributor. The Eagles should have mire-checked their game plan as not taking Collingwood seriously was a huge gaffe. The change rooms were one hell of a bucks party. Pies with a one-point win. All right, today's guest is one of Australia's most talented sports media professionals and entrepreneurs. His vast sporting knowledge, creative genius, and brilliant broadcasting skills has seen him entertain us through the mediums of radio, television, and social media. NBL Overtime, SEN Track, and Channel 7's NFL and AFL Armchair Experts are just some of the many shows you may remember him from. It's the one and only Mr. Cam Luke. Welcome, Cam. Thanks for coming on, mate. Oh, mate, any time I'm going to get an intro like that, I'll, uh, I'll come on every week, mate. I think you might have been being, you know, embellishing just a little bit, but uh, no, it's, uh, it's all fun, mate, and I love what I do, which is uh, always the best thing about yeah, it. Uh, that's good, mate. The life of lockdown, it hasn't seemed to slow you slow you down much. It looks like you're busier than ever. What what projects are, are keeping you occupied at the minute? Uh, well, we got, uh, obviously, uh, I've been very lucky, uh, I think. 
sport, when sport happens, there's always sports media opportunities. So I've kind of been a little bit of just sitting on my hands for only about a, about a month or so, but we were able to, with the NBL in particular, uh, we were able to pivot a little bit and, and go with a bit of nostalgia project with yep. the NBL Rewind and stuff like that. And then once the AFL come back, then we uh, were full bang back into armchair experts and uh, both our midweek show and, and the uh, Friday night show. And then, of course, we've got the, the NFL armchair experts as well as part of the franchise. Mm-hmm. So once that started, we're back in there. And then I've been lucky enough to, being a big horse racing fan, I've been, yep. and they've done a wonderful job uh, to continue all the way through horse racing. Uh, SEN Track, which is a new station in, in uh, well, started off in Melbourne, but part of the SEN family now around the country, and uh, doing radio there for uh, the SEN Track crew as well, five days a week. So mm-hmm. there's plenty going on. I understand how lucky I am in a traditional sense to be able to do what I do and get paid to watch sport and talk about it, but I'm also extremely grateful that um, the governing bodies in sport have been able to adapt in different ways, and uh, when there's sport on, there's always opportunities. So we're always working through the next thing, but that's where I sit right about now. Yeah, good. And I think I'm right in saying this. Many of those projects you just mentioned, you've actually you actually pitched them and created them yourself, um, didn't you? Can you explain how that how that came about? Yeah, I kind of got a little bit lucky. So I was in a situation, and, and media, of course, uh, has different different ways of uh, pepping you up and then knocking you down. So I was sort of about three years ago. I was sort of in a uh, at a crossroads in. In my career, I'd sort of found myself after um, leaving Croc Media, I'd sort of found myself at a, at a digital radio station that um, didn't work. And, you know, that's always a very hard thing to do in Australia when it comes to being able to broadcast um, on a national stream. So uh, we learned a lot. Unfortunately, uh, Sydney, you know, the New South Wales and, and Queensland uh, audiences, they want to hear rugby league 90% of the time. You know, Melbourne, Victoria, South Australia, WA, they want to hear, of course, more about AFL. So um, the idea was sound and it works so particularly well in the US and in Europe, but it doesn't work quite here because we have quite a divide. So um, when the station sort of went under and I was sort of in the wilderness, I was sort of trying to think of, of ways to try and you know, kickstart uh, my career, I guess. Yeah. I I'd sort of um, I'd had a wonderful time of it when it comes to radio and I hadn't done too much TV, but I thought that if we can come up with an opportunity to, um, when people leave the footy, and this is what I was judging it on, everyone, and I, I speak a vast experience, and this is how I traditionally think of everything that I do. <laughs> if I do it, someone else must be doing it. So yeah. I thought, I'm leaving the footy, and I'm always on my phone. I look around, everyone's on their phone. If you're in public transport, um, you're on your phone and, and your social media or whatever it might be, and I thought if we can come up with an idea and, and have a TV show on your phone. I, I figured that everyone would at some point watch us or at least be exposed to whatever we do. So I was um, lucky enough to have a contact with Channel 7, a, uh, a good friend of mine who, who I'd worked with before. She was then able to uh, help me pitch to both Twitter Sports uh, Australia and Channel 7 to try and get, uh, at the time, a, a no-name show, but uh, what turned out to be the armchair experts. Yeah. So Twitter... Um, said, look, we like the idea of it. Uh, we've come in a conjunction if you can get a broadcaster on side. And when it comes to broadcasting in, in, in AFL, uh, Channel 7 being the host broadcaster is the right one to go about it. So yeah. I kind of got lucky because the um, executive producer of Channel 7, Gary O'Keefe of the footy, had just come back from the US. He's a big US sports fan. And, uh, and he was like, look, I was in San Francisco and I'd been at a Warriors game and I turned the TV on and there's these two guys sitting there just talking about the game and it's now on TV. So uh, essentially when I come back, I was like, hey, um," when he come back and I just happened to be introduced to him at the right time and we, uh, yeah, the armchair experts were born uh, off the, and this is probably rings true in almost any other way, uh, any other luck or any other industry around the world, but luck plays such a big big part of everything. So uh, it was timing. It was, it, was, it was a great deal of luck. So once we got the armchair experts up uh, on Twitter only in, in 2018, towards the end of 2018, I'd been doing a little bit of work uh, with Melbourne United, which is actually when I was really, really stuck um, work-wise. Vince Crivelli is the CEO of Melbourne United as mm-hmm. uh, an old friend, an old contact of when I used to play basketball and he was always on the opposition team, either as a coach <laughs> or uh, as a general manager. So... I uh, reached out to him and he gave me an opportunity to get involved 
uh, with Melbourne United and, and, and both uh, will be stuff in front of the camera and a podcast. And I then was able to then um, introduce to some people at NBL head office to where I pitched uh, a very similar idea uh, to what I did with the armchair experts, except um, after an initial meeting with Guy Neville, who's the head of uh, the GM of digital at the NBL, he saw it more as a, as a panel show on a, behind a desk rather than sitting on a couch, which has worked brilliantly, really, because um, they would have been too similar. You've always got to try and uh, be um, innovating or to adapt to certain certain situations. So, um, yeah, same idea. Twitter got on board again uh, when it comes to the NBL, and, and we were able to do one year on Twitter in the NBL with NBL Overtime, and then that then went to ESPN uh, once ESPN signed the broadcast deal. So um, luck plays an incredible part as well as confidence. So once mm. I'd already sort of had some luck with Channel 7 and it's on and went okay, then I was able to use that to, as an example, not leverage, so to speak, but to say to the NBL, hey, we did this with the armchair experts and it kind of worked and it's going well and we're trying to get it on the TV as we continue to go through. It, it, the NBL were like, yeah, okay, cool. We like this idea as well. And, and talking about luck, the NBL had kind of hit that time where you know, media and, and interest are starting to be driven towards it as well. So, um, yeah, luck's, luck's probably the biggest part of it. Um, but timing is timing is everything in so yeah. many different aspects of yeah. life. So um, I got lucky, but I'm also had plenty of time when I was sitting around unemployed for six months to be able to think <laughs> of these crazy ideas. And believe me, believe me when I say, out of, you know, out of all these ideas at work, and there's a couple more projects uh, on the way. There's, there's, there's 25 more that I've got sitting on my desk at home or on my computer that um, I came up with that have been denied or declined <laughs> or rejected at some point, believe it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was just wondering, before I ask you about the other stuff, what were the nerves like at, at launching that first show? Hey, do you get nervous easy? What was it like? I, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, I haven't done a great deal, as I said, I had done a great deal of TV. So yeah. I got to a situation where um, I sort of pitched the show and we did, so what we did, we did a couple of um, with, with with Adam Cooney and Nathan Grimer, who of course, um, when he was playing football, yeah. was a great media personality. And Ian chose to not do media, but we trialed it with uh, Adam Cooney, who uh, I already had a friendship with, and 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 Nathan Grimer. And we actually trialed it on the AFLX weekend. If you remember mm-hmm. the ill-fated yeah. AFLX, <laughs> yeah. um, now luckily it wasn't a sign for our show because we were just yeah. trying trialing new things it was um a little bit harder actually than i probably expected mainly because aflx wasn't exactly on social media when we were there to sort of we test social media we check the heat of it type thing mm. um it wasn't exactly um all for aflx which which i think is majority of people's idea behind it so we sort of we did that and i didn't really think about it at that point but then it kind of got green lit and i'll never forget it was a day before um it was a day before the season started and we had a we had a channel seven or meeting at Channel Seven and we were sitting around and Channel Seven were great. Channel Seven had said to uh to both Adam and I and it's a little different for Adam because he's a brown low medalist, so everyone wants to hear from him. For yeah. me, I'm like, This is my last <laughs> chance. If I don't somehow get something out of this, I might have to go out and try and get a real job. And I um and they sort of just they said, Look, we we're gonna do this all year. We have, it's a digital it's a digital play. We understand that we're going to have the whole year. Don't don't think that if no one watches, you're just going to give. We're going to give it up after you know two months or whatever it might yeah. be. So that made me feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're sitting around in a meeting, and and someone just just casually sort of asked, you know, oh, you know, how many people do you think will watch? And I was, I've never really thought about it. Mm. I always not with a number. I always always when I was thinking about who would. You know, everyone's on their phone. I never really thought we could have a thousand people or a hundred thousand people or whatever, yeah. whatever it might be. And um, I said, I don't, I don't know. There might be. I, I literally had no idea. Yeah. So there was either ten, there could be twenty, there could be a hundred. I <laughs> don't know. So I remember answering it pretty much just saying, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't worry about that type of stuff, even though as you get more into into media and TV and radio, of course, ratings can really um, decide your future for obvious reasons. But I remember saying, look, I don't really know. Channel 7 were great. We uh, First game we ever had uh, was Port Adelaide and Essendon. Mm-hmm. It was on a Friday night and the game was pretty good and we had, a, you know, Adam and I obviously did our show and I remember being a little bit nervous without being overly concerned because I think when you go into something like that, 
you, know, you have no idea. Yeah. So you, they sort of backed you in. So there was nerves because I knew that I had to, from a career standpoint, it was sort of the time that things had to start to, you know, not go my way, but I had to start to, to, to get a couple of little wins. Mm. Um, and we ended up having about 20,000 people watch our first show. And then the following week was Good Friday and it was St Kilda and North Melbourne. And um, it, it is actually when I look back on the actual on the actual show and the confidence, I think everyone, not just Adam and I, but our team behind us with you know, Marcus Taylor, our producer, and, and, and Tara Carlon, who, who oversees us, and you know, Paul Moore, he's a digital, uh, that I think gave us the confidence because there's no post-game on Channel 7 on a Friday, Good mm-hmm. Friday because of the Good Friday appeal. So they go straight to the Good Friday appeal. So at the end of uh, the game, and I, I, I think it was Hamish McLaughlin, but not 100% certain, whoever the host was said, look, hey, we're going to the Good Friday appeal. If you want to continue to talk some footy, jump on and, and check out the armchair experts yeah. at 7 AFL. And we ended up uh, having about 200,000 viewers. And it sort of just solidified that, you know, people are going to use the forum to watch the actual show. Not saying they all love the show and came back and couldn't get enough of it, but it, it sort of solidified in my mind that the idea that people watch stuff on their phones was there because yeah. that was the premise of the idea. So um, from there, it sort of started to be like, okay, we've kind of got this. Now, we haven't got the show right yet. We've got a hell of a lot of work to do. Uh, I, You know, Adam was, was really relatively new into his media career after playing. I'd never sort of done TV before, and I was – learning a great deal on the on the spot as well so we had a million different things to learn but i think the fact that we knew that people did use their phones and twitter to watch a tv show on footy was the start of something that we could we could probably believe in a bit more yeah awesome you mentioned the the ideas you're still thinking of now obviously you probably can't go into detail that's fair enough but is there any gaps in the market that you'd like to fill we'll be back after a quick break There's, there's a gap, actually, that I, I won't give you just yet, but there's <laughs> a gap right, yeah. that um, from a um, – how can I put this without giving it away? <laughs> it's not exactly – con- content is connected to it without going uh, – which it, it isn't driven by an actual, say, a TV or a radio show or okay. podcast, yeah. but it is a, a component of something that hopefully we're going to launch in the next four or five months oh, good. Um, around horse racing yep. and sport, but predominantly led by horse racing. I think the – the, the the thing that in, in that question is that because it always evolves. Like mm. you think about ten, fifteen, and I'll actually tell her I was working at a radio station in Ballarat, Power FM, and Three BA. This was in two thousand and seven, so I just got there. Yeah. And two thousand and seven into two thousand and eight, and I remember we actually had a staff meeting, and I was still very close to the general manager down there, and I was hosting the drive show and. We had a staff meeting and a lot, one of the, I remember one of, Facebook had just become popular. One of the main sort of uh, talking points out of the meeting was that, hey, we're going to, IT is going to restrict or ban Facebook in the workplace. They seem yeah. to think that people were wasting time or whatever yeah. it might have been. And I remember thinking to myself, one, if people waste time and Facebook isn't there, they'll just find something else to waste time. On <laughs> exactly. I think that is just a band-aid approach into people who may not, for whatever reason, be working hard. Yep. But two, and I did argue this at the time, I was like, look, I understand where you're trying to come from, even if I don't agree with it, but I'm also like, this is going to be a tool 
that we can use to market. Now, Facebook's changed a lot there, mm. but market the radio station, get stories on, you know, talk to people, however it might be, if you're trying to get local stories. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take too long. In fact, after probably about a month or two, the restrictions were lifted and Power FM had a Facebook group and yeah. the whole thing went to a new level. But that is, if you think about here we are in 2020 where people are consuming on their phone via Facebook or Twitter yeah. or Twitch or Instagram and, and some of the highest rate, in, in fact, the content pieces that people get and if you look at bloggers and influencers and whatever it might be, it's all based on views on their phone. Mm -hmm. we're, we're looking 11, 12 years ago, there was workplaces, media organisations, and I'm sure they weren't the only one, that were restricting people's use of the actual concept yeah. inside their building. So in, in 12 years, we've gone from, well, geez, what's this podcasting? It is, oh, yeah, that might be interesting <laughs> to podcasts arrive into digital media into new media, into all these different ways. So it does move fast. So, you know, in, in, in 10 years' time, there might be a, a, a totally different way in mm -hmm. which people are able to consume different stuff. But um, I, I think that if you, if you look at, I think that everyone can do something now and luck does play a part, but I also think you just got to be better. Mm. Like I, I look at it, you know, like, and this is, everybody can be an A, like everyone can play AFL. Everyone in 2020, and I'm talking about if you're a kid and you want to play AFL and there's options to do it, be it you know a little boy or a little girl, they can end up playing AFL or, or AFLW. And I see the same with media. There are people who make it in their chosen profession and there are some that don't. There's a lot of people who want to play AFL who are nowhere near good enough to do it. And I see the same thing as well. So there's opportunities there where... Um, you just have to be better than other people at, at certain things, be it TV or radio or, or print journalism or, or whatever it might be. But um, when it comes to different projects, there's a, there's a couple more. Uh, we're still just going to keep branching out into certain things with 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 um, with the armchair experts and then hopefully, hopefully with um, a relationship to be born mm -hmm. of all... Uh, on something else with we do with the armchair experts so that's sort of ways we look at it but okay, yeah, cool. look, someone will always come up with something yeah there's always something else there to come up with so there's no doubt there's there's options there that's it are you you were speaking about um kids having the opportunity to grow up and, and play afl I, I can remember you speaking about you wanted to be a professional athlete growing up when did you realize that you wanted to get into broadcasting well, I, I, it, it, there's a couple of layers to this story because yeah. um, I've had different opportunities, well, different sort of dreams. When I was a kid, my dad was a jockey, so yeah. I grew up wanting to be a jockey. So I, you know, I got to six or seven, and it was all about I had a rocking horse, and I used to go. My dad, by that stage, had retired from race riding, but he was a track work jockey. So I'd go to the, the stables at Flemington, almost like I'd be five, six, seven years of age, mm. and. Just loved it, but I was going to be too big and, and clearly too big. So <laughs> yeah. mum had to sit me down and, and break my heart at a pretty young age, which for people who want to be and kids who want to be jockeys, I'm assuming that is a a fairly sort of consistent conversation because <laughs> it's pretty obvious uh, if you don't have the build to be a jockey yeah. at a young age. I, I missed a couple of days of school. I was I was so shattered. <laughs> and then from there, I went to um, wanting to do, obviously, athletics. I did some athletics as a kid, but basketball was... Um, where I, you know, obviously tried to play and, and uh, didn't have anywhere near enough amount of skill to, to be a pro athlete. But I was, I, I had a supportive family which allowed me to pretend to live out my dream of still being a pro athlete probably later than um, others would. So I probably got, um, I was playing the, the level below the NBL, I probably got to maybe... 21 or 22. In my heart, I knew that I was never going to be a professional mm. athlete. But because I had a, such a supportive family and, and I was still living at home and there wasn't a real push for me to have to get a real career, I kind of was able to pretend for another couple of years before I probably should have admitted it to myself that I was never going to make money out of, out of any chosen sport. And it was around um, 23, 24 where yeah. I thought to myself, okay, cool. Well, um, you can't just continue to work for the local basketball club that you play for doing school clinics and school camps and all the rest of it you got to try and get into something so um it was actually radio that i wasn't specifically sports radio but it was radio that i wanted to get into and mm -hmm. and started to to give that a crack by going down different sort of avenues via um 
a postgraduate course that I did at Swinburne, Swinburne University in commercial radio, and uh, it sort of went from there. So I was I was into my twenties before I decided that hey, you know what? Or realised, yeah. so not even realised, admitted to myself that uh, my dreams of being in the NBA or NBL are well and truly shot. And I was probably about <laughs> eight years too late to be fair. I, I don't reckon I don't reckon there's a sport in the world that you wouldn't have at least some knowledge on like has absorbing the knowledge and and keeping informed on all sports been something you've always done is it just a routine for you like how did it come about that you know so much about sports all over the world i just love it i think which is is what something that i think a lot of people uh in my exact boat this is why when everyone says to me if anyone ever says to me you have the perfect job which i agree i've got the perfect job for me, not to say there's not ups and downs, mm-hmm. but I always say to them, you could do exactly what I do. Like if you were, if you were prepared to, you know, do the regional radio and then obviously then, you know, take a risk and do mid dawns and then there's ups and downs. It can be a roller coaster and mm-hmm. it's not always great, but anyone could do what I do. Like I'm, you know, I, I got to travel the world, not right now, but travel the world, go to Super Bowls, NBA finals, final fours. I've been there. Heaps of AFL Grand Finals, NRL Grand Finals, Cricket World Cups. Like, everyone could do it. Like, anyone could do it. So, it's someone, all my mates, so many people I know who just, who watch as much sport as I do. It just turns out that I decided to try and take a risk and and make it a profession without any journalistic um, background. Like, I'm not a journalist by any stretch of the imagination. But I just watch a lot of sport and I have a really good memory. Like, I have a really good memory. So, when I'm in a conversation, majority of things that have happened i don't need to refer to stuff like i yeah, yeah. i can't tell you exactly i can't tell you exactly how many you know kicks someone had in the 1997 prelim but i can tell you who won the games mm-hmm. who played well and that, that that really helps me in these conversations because i can sort of read something and i do now i must also say i have a really good team around me you know, i have good producers and, and a couple of good researchers who help me a lot if i if I need specific things sort of chase. But yeah. you know, I, I don't think I'm any different to any other person my age, a lot of my mates. And, you know, if, you know, for today, for example, I'll you know, get out of bed. We've got, you know, we, we've done an Armchair Experts midweek show that just goes through Twitter. Um, so it's straight into, into, into Twitter, into, into, onto the internet and check out the sites. And, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like, you know, for, for an example, Joe Danaher breaks, so that's something that I don't really yeah. need to go too deep into because I mean, we, everyone knew this. Hmm. So I knew that Joe Danaher wanted to leave 12 months ago. So any preconceived ideas I've got about Joe Danaher leaving the, the Bombers or what he's worth and the trade value or whatever it might be, that's already kind of been formed. Hmm. So that, they're, they're those little things that are, it's like if you go down the pub and this is how I base so much of my media, you know, my radio, my TV stuff on. Like I'm just like, just a guy sitting in the pub having a beer, talking to a mate, and sometimes we argue, and sometimes we have to we have to grab someone who's walking past and say, "Hey, mate, what's Joe Danaher worth? <laughs> yeah. You reckon you were bombers? Yeah, sweet." So, and that's kind of how I I do so much of my or base a lot of my stuff on. Yeah. So stuff like that, like everyday stuff, is easy. So then you know, then the NBA finals are on, so I'll watch that, and then I'll be skimming over to Racing dot com or Sky Channel to. To, to check out if I've, I've, I've got a horse that I do like or one I've been sort of following or a tip that I have got. And then, of course, the NFL season. It's just, it is a continual, I think, for me, it's not different. It's, it's, it's probably, I just think what everyone does who loves sport. Now, uh, not being married or not having kids, you know, and I'm fairly selfish, so I don't have really anyone else I need to worry about. So I don't have to go and take the kids to school. Yeah. I just sit there and watch Sports Centre for another half an hour. Or if I go for a run or a walk, I can have a podcast in my ear and uh, and listen or listen to the radio and, and find out what, you know, Jared Waitley or an Eddie Maguire is talking about. Or if I if I need something, I'll call, you know, a contact and say, hey, this is what I'm sort of thinking. What have you type of heard? So, um, yeah, I, look, it's always, always on sport, my TV, but I also like... That's kind of what I would be doing anyway. If I was a carpenter, yeah. I would be doing the exact same thing, except I'd have to go to work for eight hours a day and and use my hands, which I'm not good with. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I just I, I just don't think I'm any different to anyone else who loves sport. I just happen to be lucky enough to have a job that allows me to, to use what I see and form the opinions that I have and be able to talk about it in the public. 
Yeah, hey, I reckon it's it's also important that you have a point of difference. So when I watch your host and broadcast, you bring a type of uniqueness to the industry. For me, you're, you're like a spokesperson for the fan you mentioned. It's like you're sitting at the pub and, and talking to your mates and that sort of thing. Um, is that the broadcaster you see yourself as? as a kind of spokesperson? Yeah, no, yeah? no okay. doubt. I, I don't know if I would necessarily describe myself as, as being for the fan, but I also think I am just a fan. Like, mm. I, I'm not a journalist. I don't break stories. I... I don't, you know, chase and, and, and call, you know, like, hey, I'm here in this or whatever it might be because yeah. I, I could never do that type of stuff. But I also think that maybe it comes across that way because I am just a fan. I, I am just a fan who's lucky enough to be able to to, to talk and, and uh, be a TV or radio, be able to discuss and hang out with, you know, ex-athletes who, who reach the tight and the highest heights of their of their uh, pursuits and and to be able to do it, and I do it from a perspective of somebody who just sits in the stands. I I I, I never ever um, would ever suggest that I know what it's like to be able to roll out in front of a hundred thousand people at the MCG and, and kick a goal or, or put my head over the hardball, which is something I ever do. But I also speak about it from you know we've all been there, we've all had those frustrations, we've always had that excitement, the passion of of where I come from. And that's what I try to, to get out there because 99% of people who are listening or watching or, or reading or abusing me on Twitter <laughs> are in the exact same situation that I am. They weren't good enough to be able to go out and do it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you don't know a great deal about sport just because you weren't great at, at kicking a football or shooting a basket or, or catching a ball or whatever it might be. So um, I, I, I don't suggest that I am 100% for the fan, I think it just comes across that way because I am a fan, and, and that's traditionally um, what I am when I'm talking about my experiences and, and my opinions that are formed. Hey, before I ask you about the footy this week, what, what's the number one piece of advice you can give to aspiring sports media professionals and broadcasters? Yeah, I, I just think it's just be yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just honest and transparent and you be yourself and you don't try to be anything else that you um, aren't. But it's hard to get caught up. Like you make mistakes. Like, yeah. but like if you if you say what you, you 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 feel and you think and you mean, then essentially it is what it is. Like I and to be fair, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was just talking about it today. Earlier in the year, we, we spoke about Ben Brown, and um, I got a lot of it. Like I, I was came up with a, a very elaborate theory regarding Adelaide Crows and compensation picks and crouch and probably went a little too deep into it and ended up, you know, essentially Adelaide can use it to get, you know, they get picked two and they traded for Ben Brown and all the rest of it. Either way, a lot of what people were trying to abuse me for was because they thought I was trolling, which is something I never ever do. Everything I say, I 100% genuinely believe. Mm -hmm. And that's, if you can, if you can be like that, there'll be times I'm wrong. Now I was wrong. Ben Brown's not worth a pick two, even doesn't matter which way you carve it all up. But essentially the fact is that if you are true to yourself and you believe what you, and you've got to put the research in and have facts behind you. But if you believe in yourself and you're honest with yourself, then you can't really get tripped up. Mm -hmm. And that means if someone is like trying to disagree with you, you're like, mate, this is why I think this. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent fact. I'm simply saying my opinion is based on this, 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 and that is that. Yeah. And that's how I think sporting discussions, sometimes we complicate sport too much and the discussions around it. But I also think that that's the best bit of advice. Don't ever try and be anyone else. You're not. And, and when I do radio and, and you know, with somebody else, and that, that comes up and sometimes oh, well, I'll take this side of the argument so you can do that. It's like, no, no, we can, we can have a discussion. We can have a discussion around whatever topic it might be based on having the same kind of it finishing point now we both might agree that joe danner is better off not being at essendon we don't have to fight about that mm-hmm. we can find different ways as to why now organically it could work in certain aspects if you do have different views but those sort of discussions and arguments and, and i guess conversation points are better if you just be yourself and in the end if you're being yourself one in particular talk back sense you can't get caught up and, and tripped up by just trying to play the role. Yeah. That leave that to the actors and the actresses and Hollywood and all the rest of it. And I think sport journalism is is meant to be authentic and true. Mm-hmm. And if you stick to it, then that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, I love that. I couldn't agree more, mate. All right, this week's footy, 
Um, I'll ask you about the Saints because they're basically the feel-good story of the season and practically everyone bar Richmond fans are cheering them on this Friday. But do the important omissions and the lack of finals experience mean that their journey will end this, this Friday against the Tigers? Is that what you're picking? I am thinking, I'm tipping Richmond. I still think Richmond might make the grand final, actually, and, and I haven't really seen too much of this to probably turn me off them winning the thing still. But just on St Kilda, it's just... Carlisle was great last week. Yeah. Ryder was great. They, they probably played their two best games of the season. Mm. Um, Ryder out, of course, with the hamstring. So now, I was a sceptic when it comes to the Ryder and Marshall tag team. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure. Marshall was so good last year. Why bring Ryder in? Chip away from that. But Marshall's been able to go inside 50 and be great. Yeah. Now they've got to go back, ironically, unfortunately, to be able to the one out. Now, however far they go from here, he's going to have to be one out. Yeah. Um, of course, with, with Ryder after the year. And Carlisle was great. And in particular, when you're taking on Richmond, Lynch coming back in, you need a guy like Carlisle, who I, who I think is going to be able to, or would have been able to help them. So they're two pretty big outs. And Ben Long's part of that emerging Saints group. For a team to go from, say, outside the eight, into the eight, even further, you have a top four, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. you have to have a group of players that stand up and deliver. And St Kilda probably hadn't had that for a little while. You can have, you know, we're always looking for when the next superstar is, but they were able to gain confidence, go out and get Brad Hill, who didn't set the world on fire this year, but of course can handle the big stage. You know, I thought Jones was brilliant. Um, over the course of the year to go out and get guys. Dougal Howard, of course, has been really good as well. It'll be pivotal this weekend. But if you look at the Ben Long situation, he's been really good. He's been really good. Yeah. He's taken that next step up. And I think just around Ben Long, we sort of have a look and we kind of think about that bump of Port Adelaide, how he missed a month. And you sort of get caught up and it happens a lot. The narrative that, ah, oh, yeah, he's, he's done some silly stuff, which... To be fair, against the rules of the game, I guess you could call it silly because he's missing, he's missed already, obviously, a number of games in a year and now this one. But he's had a really good year. So sometimes we just bypass the fact that he has been good. But I just think those three outs, if battle plays, even the question mark is here of how fit he's going to be. Richmond, I wouldn't say it was a kick up the, the backside last week because Brisbane were brilliant. Mm. But I also think Lynch back in. And I just think they're too talented. This is a very talented football club. They've had their ups and downs all year, but I'd be surprised they went out in straight sets. So I, I think they'll beat St Kilda. Mm-hmm. But I did say last week on the Armchair Experts, and while I didn't tip them to go deep, I thought this t- 2020 St Kilda team actually profiled very similar to that 2016 Bulldogs team that, of course, yeah. got on that heater uh, for that last month. Now, yet again, didn't predict them to go all the way and win a flag. But I thought in the season, the way that it was, their ups and downs, some of their key guys sort of getting healthy at the right time of the year. Unfortunately, I should have knocked on wood for the Saints fans because it hasn't worked that way since. But um, I thought they profiled nicely. But I think Richmond will, will, will get them. Lynch in, no Carlisle down back, and, and I think they'll be able to get over mm-hmm. a, a pretty plucky Saints team. But for St Kilda fans, I think it's a good opportunity to be able to be proud of your team and, and also be hopeful of what's going to come in the next couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. I'm tipping the Tigers too. Um, the, the Pies, though, I mean, Bucks and his coaching staff obviously pulled off one of the greatest you know, cl- greatest club victories um, of recent time against the Eagles on Saturday. But they won't have the media's doubts to spur them on <laughs> this week against the Cats. Do, do you reckon that means they can't send Geelong out in straight sets? I, I this, is, this is a really, 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 really tough game. I, yeah. I don't know. And... Um, I, I, I love what Connor would like. Buckley was great last week. He's, a, he's an innovative coach, and even early in the fourth, he's sitting there, and Nick Nat's been able to get his hand on a couple, and Eagles are in front. The joint's going nuts. Probably the loudest roar of the year, considering yeah. the anywhere with the fans. But Grundy comes back on, changes the game a little bit more. Mason Cox obviously allows the opportunity to be able to get, you know, my check, Stevenson, to go to play a slightly different role. And I, I think. There's two components here. Mason Cox, uh, while I haven't always been the biggest Mason Cox fan, I also believe that for them to be successful, he has to play well. Mm. Uh, and Collingwood did a really good job of being able to get the, the ball inside 50. They've been very slow at times. And going inside 50 quickly is something that, if you haven't got a big key forward, it doesn't always happen. Yeah. So they had to be able to do that. And they did that brilliantly on, on Saturday night. They're going to have to do it again. 
But Geelong are really good at being able to control the ball and getting the game back on their terms. I think they did a perfect example about a month ago when they were able to beat the Dogs. Dogs just were brilliant in the first quarter, led by six goals, doing whatever they wanted. And then Geelong got hold of it. It only takes five or six minutes. Geelong take full control of the game. Next thing you know, they're back in it and Mm -hmm. they're doing their thing. But Geelong just had no, absolutely no answer for Port Adelaide and the defensive pressure they put on them on on Friday night, uh, Thursday night. And Geelong's inability, normally led by Zach Tui, their inability to be able to break the game open from the defensive lines and turn defense into offense really hurt them. Now, Tom Hawkins got plenty of opportunities and I can't see him doing what he did last week in front of goal again. But if they're able to take the game on and be able to generate that quickly, we're in for a hell of a contest. And, and to be fair, a couple of days out, I'm still I'm still reluctant to give a tip. <laughs> it's going to be a cracking contest. I, I just don't know. Um, You've got to pick one. Surely give us a tip. I, I, I'm going to tip Geelong yeah. because... Purely on the basis that they finished higher on the ladder. Mm-hmm. But I also, which I know is a bit of a cop out, and we see teams go out in straight sets, but I also think Chris Scott's actual semi final record isn't too bad. I know his, his qualifying final record has been ripped apart this yeah. week, but his, his semi final record isn't too bad. Uh, I know they went out in straight sets a couple of years ago to the D's, but I, I think I think they might just be able to get over the pies. But uh, Collingwood's footy, which they played last week, is is extremely dangerous and it's going to be a ripping contest. And as always, as always happens, anytime a neutral supporter, which I am most of the time, I always wait for extra time. So hopefully Saturday night we see extra time because I love it when it happens in the AFL. I think it's it's great fun to watch. Yeah, no, me too. I'm I'm tipping the cats, but you really can't ride off the pies after last week. It was was incredible. Hey, Cam, do you mind if we end off with 10 quick fire questions? Fire away, brother. All right. Well, actually, do you remember filling out, I think in 2013, you filled out some questions, some about me questions for Packenham Warriors. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I, <laughs> I, I, I remember doing it. I, I go on, I do. All right. Well, the first five questions are the same, so I want to see how much you've changed in, in seven years. All right. Okay. All right. Your favorite food? Steak. Yeah, same. Okay. Favorite drink? Scotch. Same. Yep. <laughs> Your favorite movie? Wedding crashes. Oh, the same. All right. Favorite TV show. Uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, uh, I'll say Sports Center. Yeah, uh, Entourage is pretty close. Entourage. I do watch a lot of Entourage, Entourage. Still, sadly, but I'll say Sports Center because I do watch it the most. Yeah, that, that was that was what you chose as well. Entourage is good for you. If you, and this is the last one. Uh, if you owned a racehorse, what would you call it? Well, I actually do own a lot of racehorses, but I've never had the opportunity yet to, name to call it what I am going to call. One of these days, I'm going to own a racehorse. It's going to be just me, one person. I'm going to call it the big fella. <laughs> yes. You haven't changed at all in seven years. That's brilliant. All right. There would be a lot of people who would uh, say that it's probably not a good thing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm pretty uh, – they're just like standard answers. I haven't really changed a great deal in what has been six or seven years. Yeah, nice. Well, the next five are my own ones, so we'll get a new answer here. Your favourite bulldo- Bulldogs player of all time? Favourite Bulldogs player of all time? Because you are a dog. He wasn't man. a Bulldogs player for long enough, um, for, in my opinion. Uh, Nathan Brown. Mm. I love the way Nathan Brown went about it. Yeah. I uh, got an opportunity to work with him a couple of times. He's a, he's a great guy. I loved his style. He's a bit arrogant at different times, <laughs> yeah. which uh, always appeals to someone who is similar age. So, yeah, I, lo- I love Nathan Brown, the red one blue. Yeah, nice. Uh, would you rather spend a year in the U.S. covering the NBA or covering the NFL? Uh, NBA, uh, yeah. grow up. Uh, NFL, and I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of Super Bowls. It is, from an entertainment point of view, it's amazing. But the NBA is... Uh, Something growing. I was a basketball player, obviously very limited ability, but loved it. So growing up, uh, I'll say the NBA, but uh, it'd be close. But yeah, definitely yeah. NBA. Nice. So, what is your dream event to host or cover? I'm lucky enough to do it. I'll, I'll say the AFL Grand Final. Okay, I think, yeah. Um, being you know Melbourne and uh, and the excitement around, in particular, fan base for, for fans that haven't been there before and. Um, I was, you know, 2013, uh, I was just starting to get into the sports media landscape and, and, and Fremantle made a grand final and had some stuff we did there for radio and it was kind of cool. And then the, we sort of caught up with it in 2016 with the dogs. So AFL grand final because uh, the city comes alive and, and there's really 
the MCG, which is the most beautiful sporting place on earth, uh, is just so cool to be around there on that Saturday yeah. morning into the Arvo. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, who is your idol? Now, I know a hero of yours is Mike Greenberg, but is he your number one, or do you have another idol? No, I would probably say Mike Greenberg still. Yeah. I, um, I I love the way he goes about it. I had the opportunity to sit down with him at a Super Bowl a couple of years ago and, mm. and have dinner and a couple of drinks, and he, he was great. Uh, Colin Cowherd, uh, of course, always uh, fairly controversial, but I like yeah. the way he goes about it as well. A little, little closer to home. Like, oh, I know it's... It's cliche, but the, the way that Bruce McAvaney goes about it is, yeah. um, and still goes about it, his his meticulous research, his ability to be able to cover any sport and uh, like athletics and, and horse racing are two sports that I love as well. So I've that affinity, you know, w- looking up and watching Bruce as well because he knows him so well. So um, the way Bruce has gone about his career continues to still do it. I know it's cliche because everyone probably stands it, but. Um, yeah, there's a few around, and there's, there's a few, and they're all different. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Greeny and then uh, Cowherd, and then of course Bruce. They're all much vastly different broadcasters, but brilliant at what they do. Yeah, definitely. All right, last one. You've been put in charge of creating and hosting a prime time footy show on a Thursday night. You can pick four broadcasters slash sports stars to host with you or be part of the show. Who's in the lineup? So you and four. Oh, I'll take. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take my man Adam Cooney with me. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yeah. Uh, Adam Cooney. I'm going to go and grab Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> yeah. Because I love I love Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. And then I'm going to go and get someone who I think is incredibly talented. Can I have five? All right, I'll give you five. Yep. All right, I'm going to go and get Gian Bruni. Yeah. Who I okay. actually really like as a as a broadcaster. And football's going to probably, probably dominate. I think Daisy Pierce has had a sensational year yeah. as, a, as, a, as a broadcaster and a special comments a second to none. So uh, I'll take Adam Cooney because he's my running mate and he claims that it's all because of him. The show's going well. <laughs> I disagree, but I'll take him with me. Yeah. Nick Kyrgios, I think, is perfect for this generation. I think he's almost a troll, but I think he's a professional troll and I think he does it really well. Gian Rooney, I, I, I think, is exceptional. And then David Pierce had a remarkable year. So I'm going to go uh, uh, that for us sitting down and just talking about sports. Yeah, brilliant. Love it. I'd definitely tune in. Cam, mate, like I said, I really admire your work and it's meant a lot to me that you've given up your time to come on and have a chat. So I can't thank you enough, mate. Uh, no no worries at all, mate. I had a great ball, mate. We'll talk again soon. Yes, Jimmy! Nick off. Nick off. Nick off. Nick off. All right, it is time for everybody's favourite part of the show. My favourite. Get to talk to my best mate, Nico. All right, Nick, what do you got for us this week, mate? James, there is no other person in the AFL industry that I want to nick off than Adrian Dodoro, SNL's list manager. Nick off. Yesterday, we got the news about Adam Saad wanting to leave the Bombers, Mm -hmm. and he requested a trade to Carlton. Like Rowan Connolly said in his tweet, it wasn't because of a money issue. It wasn't because of a contract length issue. It was because of a culture issue. Adrian Dodoro has been hailed as a king for putting this list together over the past few seasons. Massive signings coming in, uh, massive trades. Um, bringing in all these stars, and now it's all falling apart. Essendon players want to leave, and now he has the nerve to come out and say yesterday that he wants to get the best deal for Adam Side, which is which is fair enough. But the yeah, last time so. he did that, he forced Joey Danaher to stay on the list, and what good did that do for Essendon? So I'm sick of all the praise. Oh, like when he was getting all the praise over the last few years, I was just so sick of it. I knew what was going to happen. And now it's all coming apart for Essendon. So, Adrian Dodoro, mate, you can nick off. Nick off. <laughs> that is huge, Nick. Well, I'm, I'm just not a Thank- fan of him at all, James. Well, I, I, I can just, tell. Oh. I can tell you're not a fan of him, but it, it, you put it down to him for the culture problems. I do. I do. I do. Like, so it's why, his fault. why would you keep Joe Danaher on the list last year when he clearly wanted to leave? See, he, he made it so hard um, for Sydney to get him. He, he did everything in his power to keep Joe Danner at her at the club. And what, what good did it do? 
He had one good half of football against Hawthorne and that was it. Mm, but, is that worth keeping him on the list? But do you think the the problem with the cultures, you're going to put it down to Adrian Dodoro for creating those problems? Well, I'm going to put it down to, well, he's obviously got a, he's had a big say on the list and who to bring in and who to keep and who to not get rid of. You know, a lot of that comes down to him. So, and now all the players want to leave because they they see no direction for the club, mm. for the team that they have at the moment. Uh, yeah, so that's just my my opinion. Yeah, you're entitled to your opinion. No, there's definitely a culture problem at Essendon. I don't think there's any secret. There's a lot of talks about players aren't happy with the culture there, with the coaching. Um, they're not a united group and players want out and you wonder why they want out so quickly. I mean, they just obviously don't believe that there's success there. And Danaher, a couple of years, he's wanted to leave. But yeah, bang, well, that's, that's huge it. for you, Nick. Nick off. Hey, but you, you know, you said he's... Um, I can't remember what word you used, but like the audacity to come out and say... Um, he wants a good deal for Saad. Why wouldn't you? You've got to come out and do that. And wouldn't you say? Because, sorry, no. Go it's on. fine. It's fine. Sorry, it's fine to say that. But uh, he's been criticised for keeping Joe Danaher on the list for doing exactly the same thing. If he comes out and uh, again in this uh, trade window, and you know makes makes life hard for Adam Saad and whoever wants to buy him, and if you heaven forbid if. Uh, Adam Saad ends up staying at Essendon, I, I think all hell will break loose. So I think he just needs to, you know, get on with it, move on, accept that Adam Saad wants to leave. Yes, try and get the best deal for him, but, you know, don't make life hard for every other team. It just becomes Essendon really annoying to work with. Mm. Who wants to work with Essendon while he's there, you yeah. know? He's nothing but praise for Essendon from you, um, as per usual. But, yeah, no, that's true. <sighs> Um, you just you want to get the right deal done, and you'd probably be saying if you don't want to be here at Essendon, then piss off. This is the line in the sand moment. You can't keep players in limbo, which they've done the past few years. If they don't want to be there, get out, get what you can for them. If you get a pick seven, pick eight, whatever it is, because of the compensation for for Joe and however that works out, there's still there's still a couple of good picks there, and the, their list isn't that bad. Like it's the culture problem, which is which is is the problem as you as you mentioned, Nico. I want to ask you about something else quickly. Yep. Last week, um, your favourite man, Nathan Weller, hit back at your take. He posted on social media, he said, that's another terrible take from Nick. Is it bad? <laughs> that's, a, that's a common theme. Um, is it a bad look for Brad Crouch? Yes, absolutely. Will it cost him money for the next deal? Possibly. Will it stop teams from picking him? Absolutely not. And then he's just he's basically telling saying that you know there's no way that he's not going to get a team because of, of what happened Um like what you mentioned last week, and strong teams have strong cultures these days and people make mistakes. Prime example mm-hmm. is Dusty, Sydney Stack, Marlon Pickett. They've both come in and with a good culture and backing behind them, it doesn't matter what they've done in the past, um, people deserve second chances. So your point was he will lose out on a deal because of he got caught in possession of illicit substances and you thought that would cost him and he, he got told to nick off last week. Do you still hold that opinion? Nick off. Definitely. No, yeah. nothing's changed from nothing's my end, James. I, I, I still definitely stand by that um, call. Yeah, Brad Crouch, he, don't, don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a great player and he's shown to be a great leader throughout his whole career. But uh, his actions alongside a 21-year-old uh, is, is not the standard you'd want to be setting at the football. Yeah, it's just not a good example that you'd want to set at your football club and I think he will lose a bit of value uh, um, heading into this trade window. Well, wait. Quick tips for us. Last week, actually, you were you didn't tip pies, but you said they were in with a chance, so you were right. We'll applaud yeah. you for that. Um, have you got you the... can't write anyone off in a in a final, especially an elimination final when people are just fighting, basically for their survival for the season. So yeah, yeah. So who are you tip? Well, Give us your quick tips this week. I think Richmond have to. Respond. Mm-hmm. I don't see them going out in straight sets, as yep. disappointing as they were last week. Um, <laughs> so they they'll win. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, it's all right. Yeah. Um, yep. So they'll win, and I'll be going for Geelong in the other game as well. Okay. So the Pies won't win this week, according to you. No. There you go. Huge, Nico. Yeah. Well, you were right last week, so we'll be. Um, I don't know if I'm hoping that you're right this week because I wouldn't mind the Pies going through 
and even playing. You know, it's good for footy when they're deep into finals, isn't it? And it's and it's even better when they lose in a big final. That's no, it, I shouldn't say it. that, but it, yeah, it, it is good. Bit, it, yeah. It's good win. It was a good win for them. I just think their supporters are getting a bit too cocky, and maybe even their players. Oh, so. speaking of that, you might as well stick around for tweets and emails because I was going to let you go, but I'll keep you around. You got nothing to do there. What are you? What are you doing? No, no, I've got nothing better to do. Okay, perfect. All right, tweets and emails. First, I already apologised him at the top of the show, um, Frankie the Pies fanatic, but he emailed in and he said, "You and that moron Hutchie and imbecile Kane Corns think the same and can get stuffed. Everyone again tipping Geelong. We have nothing to lose. I want a big apology on your podcast. Bullcrap. We played our grand final last week. Those remarks shouldn't be said." Now and again next week when we prove them all wrong and beat the Cats. We finished eighth. Mm. Well, Look, so for, yeah. before I get your opinion, I'll just say, yes, I already apologized to Frankie and I said I was wrong. I didn't tip the pies and I was wrong. Okay, I apologize for that. Secondly, I'm not saying Geelong are a certainty at all. I'm actually, it's a 50-50 game. I'm probably tipping them at this point, but as I said, I wouldn't mind the pies winning. But, Nico, do you think they got carried away with the celebrations? Well, you, you mentioned that just before. Yeah, yeah, I do think, I do think um, particularly the supporters more than anything, but there were a few cases of um, a couple of the players just taking it a bit too far. I mean, it, it's one one win and one good win, but, you know, to get the ultimate prize, there's still three more to go. Mm. So, And Ge- Geelong will be... A tough task. As I said last week, you can't write off anyone in finals. But the same reason with Richmond, I don't see Geelong uh, going out in straight sets. They've just been too good this year. And as bad as their finals record has been over the last few years, Geelong just look too strong at the moment. Yeah, well, I reckon they got way too carried away. I mean, look, the president texted media experts who didn't tip them. Players tweeted journos. They hashtag newspaper headlines. Even the social media team, I don't know if you saw this, Nico, after the final siren, in capitals, all capitals, not a single person backed us in. Ha, 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 ha. And then they, delete, they, they deleted it two hours later. But what it reminds me of, Nico, is 2018 when Collingwood played their grand final in the prelim against Richmond. And they were emotionally spent in the granny. It was a huge grand final. But that even the 5-10% off can cost you. And you just hope that they haven't spent it all by celebrating too much after that win. And they can never again say, yep. Nico, never again can they say in the modern era that they don't listen to the media or what other people say because they just have proved that they do. Everything the media says gets straight to them and affects them. So they've used that. And I think it's good that he used that in that week in the build-up. He turned it into a crusade and he turned it into it's us against the world, let's prove them wrong. But I reckon they went on a little bit too much after the game with it. I think if they hadn't have done all the hashtags and the posting and, hey, you guys were wrong, I reckon it would have been better just to focus on the next game. I'm not sure if it'll cost them. But... Yeah, no, I, I agree 100% with you. This week could go um, two ways. Mm. Uh, it could be all momentum and full steam ahead for Collingwood after a good win, or as you said, they could just fall away. They got carried away a bit too much, and yeah, they just lose their way a bit. Mm. So it could go either way, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, that's it. Lastly, Nick, just on this point before we get to the last tweet, um, Footy Classified, which Frankie referenced in the um, in the email, I think everyone who's been following footy for a while, and you can give me your opinion, um, you've got to take comments on that show with a grain of salt. Because, look, they're on twice a week now, which is fair enough, but it's only to make more revenue, which means they need to come up with bigger and more outrageous comments to get people to tune in, you know, and click on the articles and contribute to discussions. I think you'd have to be naive to believe that they actually believe everything that they're saying. Like, Caro's Arrow during the week was was pretty pathetic, I thought. I was clutching at straws a bit. Yeah, and that that was another thing I was going to consider bringing up on my Nick Off segment, but I stayed away from it. But, yeah, the the comments made about Xavier Ellis was it? Yeah, Xavier Ellis, yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that. She was, a, she was a bit off the mark with that one. I thought she was a bit because there was an inside joke there that most people got and most and they, he was talking to a certain target audience there and his wife wasn't offended by it and I don't think a lot of people, I don't think anyone was offended by it. I'd be surprised no. if Cara was actually really genuinely offended by it and even if she was, I would say this and Ricky Gervais once said this, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Now, there's been plenty of times where Caro has every right to be offended by things and her arrow's been, I guess, 
um, I wouldn't say spot on, but close enough. But sometimes you're just clutching at straws because I know it's on twice a week and you've got to come up with things to say to get people tuning in. But I don't, yeah. I don't know. Do you do you watch it still? No, I don't watch it anymore. I see the highlights pop up on social yeah. media at times, but yeah, I just I, I can't tune into it. But she she also failed to give context on the situation as well because it, it was a couple of years ago when um, Alice Alice's wife gave birth yeah. to their first child, and he came out with a story that while she was she was in labour, he was. Um, passing time by watching the races, yeah, which yeah. he then brought up this week. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll be watching the races again." That was the and whole I don't joke. Think there yeah. was any malice in what he said. Like he didn't mean anything bad or sexist nah. by it. It was just she just failed to give context. So yeah, I, I definitely didn't agree with what she said. Yeah, no, I didn't agree either. Nico, the last tweet, and we'll go through it quickly because we've discussed it a little bit, like maybe short and sharp for this. But it was from Nathan Weller again, your best mate. He goes, with yep. all the recent chatter about Essendon having a culture problem, who is in a worse position going forward, North Melbourne or Essendon? Also, why would Zach Williams and Adam Saad choose Carlton? Surely can't be for success or to play finals. Um, the first part of the question, I'll probably have to, between North and Essendon, yeah. I'll, I'd still have to say um, North are in the worst spot at the moment mm-hmm. because they did cut 11 players at one time which is a lot of players yeah so whoever they bring in you know it's going to take time for them to whoever it is whether it's more kids or trades or whatever it's going to take time for them to gel and you know understand what whatever Reese Shaw is trying to implement at North Melbourne so I think Essendon would just be ahead of him in that in that sense and the second part of the question um, what was it about again? Just remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Why would Zach Williams and Adam Saad choose Carlton? Uh, yes, it could be. I mean, Carlton would definitely have a lot of salary cap room um, at their disposal, so it could be a money thing. Uh, obviously, they've tried to land a few, a couple of big fish in the last few trade periods. Yeah. Um, but Dylan Shield has gone elsewhere. Josh Kelly has stayed put. Stephen Cornelio has stayed put. So maybe they just, you know, they've found a couple of players on the market this time around that they can throw the cash at. And despite Adam Sard's saying it's not for the money, it might be for the money, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it could be just a, a money thing and a contract that could be able to offer more years. Yeah, I, I completely agree the first part about North Melbourne being in a worse spot. Um, oh, they're, they're in a terrible position at the moment. And if some off-field things are happening, you know, what we're hearing, um, it's not looking good. But, yeah, the second part of that, Carlton, I guess they've they've sold hope to them and they've sold a culture to them and they've sold... Um, and there might be... They, they obviously think that they're in a better position. Well, not in a better position, but they're in a good chance to make finals and a good chance to win a final. I've got a feeling that some of the Giants players weren't completely happy with the way Leon Cameron was doing things. And also Adam Saad wasn't happy with the culture at Essendon. So Carlton is the place. You've got a coach, David Teague, who cares for his players and that sort of thing. I think it's easier to sell at that club. And they've got potential. So I guess that they believe they've bought in. Um, and that's the reason why they've chosen it. We'll see how it goes. But I, yeah. I think there's more upside in, in Carlton. I know you don't believe in them, but still I do. No, it's a good, it's a good call. For sure. I do agree with you there. Oh, thanks. That means a lot. Nico, thanks for coming on, mate. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I just can't bloody wait for finals, man. I'm just, I'm absolutely, I can't sleep waiting for Friday night's game against the Saints. And I can't wait to cop abuse from you if we lose. But I know I'm going to message you straight away because you did have a few cheeky comments at me after the Brisbane game. So we'll be chatting a lot, I'm sure, this weekend. (laughs) Look, I don't doubt that. I'm sure you'll be. It's always hard after a loss. You just want to hurry up and get that next game underway and, you know, um, make up for the defeat. But, yeah, I'm sure you guys will bounce back. There's no doubt about that. All right. I bloody hope so. All right, Nico. Thank you for joining me, mate. You're a champion. No worries. Thanks for letting me on. <laughs> no worries. <See> you, <laughs> Nick off. Yes, Jimmy! Last thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up, um, this was the tightest week of finals results. Uh, in history, first week of finals in history. Now, a lot of people are saying it's the best ever. Some people are saying it's the best ever since 94. But I always think, you know, you we look at the past with, with rose-colored glasses. It always The past always seems better. You know, footy was better in my day, but I don't know if it was. 
I thought it was it was insane this this weekend. The uh, you you know after after Thursday night, what a great game of forty. Friday you go, no, I can't get any better than that. Then we're watching Saints and Bulldogs. It's close. It's tight. Then you watch the best game of the weekend with Collingwood and West Coast, and it just couldn't get any better. Edge of the seat stuff. It was fantastic. But you've got to ask yourself why? Why was it better and why was it tighter? Um, number one, a biggest thing we can look at, I think. People want to tick this off. Was it the bye week? Did it give enough time for players to freshen up and then come out and play superb footy, intense footy, attacking footy, look to score, um, and maintain that intensity throughout the game? Was it the bye? I don't know. I don't think it was because I think since 2016, we haven't seen better finals because of that bye. I think it might have to do with the shorter quarters. Now, it, and that, what that does is forces teams to search for scores more frequently and play more direct, which... For, Collingwood, they've hadn't done that all season, and they come out, play more direct from the back line, um, play faster footy, go and try and score, and they win the game. And it was a better game because of it. It was a better game all round because the intensity was higher. They're able to maintain it, and they went to score early because of the time that was allowed to them. So I think it was a shorter quarters, but it could have been the bye week, or it could have just been it was just a coincidence. I don't know. Hashtag the gym session. Let me know what you think. I think we shouldn't have a bye week anymore before finals. But if you really believe that it was because of that, I don't know, maybe we've got to change our mind, but I don't think it was because of the bye week. I reckon it was because of the shorter quarters. So there you go. Um, send all your abuse my way, at Sabo James on Twitter. Let me know what you thought. Please rate and subscribe. Um, I've had great fun doing this, and I can't thank Cam Luke enough for coming on. Um, it was great to have a chat with him. He's an absolute champion and someone I really admire and look up to. Guys, uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the week. It's finals time. You can't not be excited. I hope we get something similar to what we saw last week in terms of entertainment. Enjoy your weekend and go the Tigers. Until next time, take care of yourselves.